Hey Rodney, did you know Slack's been a part of the Ready for as long as I have? You mean like back in the Bryant Park days? You know it. Even when there were only a couple of us working out of a cafe in Midtown, Slack is where we came together to tackle the future of work. Over eight years later, we're fully decentralized across eight time zones, and we still do it all with Slack. That's right, because it's the AI-powered platform for growing your business, keeping your teams connected, and making work legitimately simpler. Now you can get up to speed on a new project with one-click summaries or find exactly what you need, when you need it, with an AI-supercharged search function. It makes your day-to-day easier and gives you the freedom to focus on what really matters, your future. Grow your business without the grind in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. But what I don't see most companies do that you did was, well, how do we make it easier to get people into the top of the funnel? What you see people do is like, oh, we're going to do a push or we're going to do incentive or we're going to go do cattle calls or whatever. And it's like, or, or, or you could just make (laughs) this an enjoyable experience for people. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. This is Brave New Work, a podcast about reinventing our organizations and the search for a more adaptive and human way of working. I'm Aaron Dignan, and I'm joined by my co-host, Rodney Evans. Hello, everybody. We are also joined today by Nikki Kaufman, the co-founder and chief people officer of CAMP. Nikki, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. I believe you and Ben are our first ever couple to appear on the show in (laughs) successive episodes. So congratulations on that. They're the Beyonce and Jay-Z of retail. That's right. That's exactly (laughs) it. On today's episode, we're going to talk about the future of hiring and compensation in retail. But before we get into that, we are going to check in. We're going to check in. And because we got to work with Nikki, she's very familiar with check-in rounds. (laughs) So the question I picked for today, very apropos of Nikki's industry, is... What's something that you really enjoy today that would shock your childhood self? Mm. Oh, I'm going to go Aaron, then me, then Nikki. We'll give you a sec. I think for me, it has to be uh, spicy mustard. (laughs) Yeah, there were when I was a kid, it was like yellow mustard, ride or die. And now I have like seven mustards in the refrigerator and I enjoy all their various wonder. Huh? That's funny. I just had spicy (laughs) mustard like not five minutes ago. For me, I think it is staying home. Mm. Like when Mm. I was a kid, all I wanted to do was go places and travel and be just outside all the time. And now I'm really so content to be at home and in my house and to avoid going places if I can. And I think my childhood self would be shocked and horrified. <laughs> aghast. aghast. Exactly. You could be you, anywhere. I know. <laughs> Nikki, what about you? Yeah. I have become a dog lover. We have a mini golden doodle who I, we got with Ben shortly after we got married. He grew up a dog person, always had dogs. I was never a dog person, never had pets, like strayed very far away from friends' dogs. And, you know, I love our Maggie now. And so my childhood self would be very surprised. I love that. So many dog lovers on this show. It's true. It's true. We we collect them. All right. So today's topic is designing retail's new ways of working. And Rodney, you recently had the chance to work with with Nikki and Camp on this directly and had a blast from from all reports. So I guess I want to start by asking you, Nikki, what was Camp seeing out there in the retail landscape that got the team exploring new ways of working and hiring 
in the first place? What were some of the big camp-related questions that were on y'all's minds? For sure. And we did have a blast working with Rodney and the Ready, so thank (laughs) you. So yeah, so what we were seeing, obviously coming, I guess I was going to say out of the pandemic, but we're obviously still in the pandemic. But I guess as a a result of this (laughs) pandemic, we were experiencing what a lot of other retailers were experiencing, which is that no one wanted to work due to changes in behavior. And maybe, frankly, a lot of people like you, Rodney, realized they would prefer to stay home or not work or continue to receive unemployment or have career changes or whatnot. It just became a very challenging place to hire talent and you know just mainly like the top of the funnel of people applying or interested in was or interest in working was just frankly not there and camp saw this but you know you read so many articles of other retailers who saw this too yeah and for us at the time when you know we were seeing this we we were just in markets that we knew right we had stores in new york we had a store in connecticut and a store in texas um Fast forward to now, we're opening a bunch of new stores. And, you know, what what sparked this need to change is that as hard as it was to hire in markets we knew, we're about to open in markets we don't know. And mm-hmm. so we better we better change our approach because it's only going to get harder from here. And so that was what sort of spawned this initial project that we kicked off. So I learned a lot about camp and about your business in our work together. I think for our listeners, if you would just explain a little bit about the concept because camp is so much more than just a toy store. And then also like, how does that uniqueness make hiring maybe more challenging than if you were just an everyday retailer? A hundred percent. So I'm glad you asked. So camp was founded in 2018 by Ben, my husband and myself. At the time we were pregnant with our second kid. I'm now about to give birth to our third (laughs) <laughs> but at the time, we we realized that we weren't the only adults out there trying to answer the question of what should we do today? Mm. We didn't believe there was enough fun stuff that could satisfy our time together as a family and be fun for our children and for ourselves. And Ben and myself having our backgrounds be in the internet, we decided to start with the hard stuff, which was the brick and mortar. So we started by creating... Um, retail stores, four wall retail stores to help answer the question of what we do today. And every store that we have, which is now six of them, combines three main pillars, which are play, which play is like sort of indoor climate controlled spaces where families can come ritualistically week over week to play. So we sell things. 70% of what we sell is brands and 30% of what we sell is actually our own brand. So can't private label products. And the third pillar, play, product, and third is programming. Mm -hmm. And so each of our locations has a dynamic calendar of programming and events that keeps families coming back for more. And then obviously, given the events of 2020, it accelerated us to launch our digital storefront. And so we have a whole bunch of experiences and things that you can do online, which we call our digital storefront, which is sort of like our seventh store (laughs) is the digital storefront today. And so that's camp. And just as a side note, one of those digital experiences is clearly the best secret Santa that is has ever happened. Is that yeah. yes. we used we, we used it the for white our, elephant. Yes. And it was amazing. Yeah, I'm so glad you said that. We're going big on our white elephant again this year, which is basically um, a digital a digital secret Santa or white elephant party that we put on. And then our back end ships you the gift that you ended up with. And we're really proud of that because again, rather than just using digital e-commerce, like you could buy something anywhere, everything that we launch has to combine 
um, this experiential element to it. And so that was why um, we took that unique approach to holiday gifting last year. And we will continue to push it for this year. We'll see you there. So knowing that camp is so unique in so many ways, talk about what makes it challenging to hire people into camp's tent. Sure. So we have said this from day one, and it's why, frankly, we started camp to answer the question of what we should do today. And me, my background being in people, why I'm so excited to, to build this thing with Ben is because we wanted to create an awarding people practice and culture and something truly unique. Why camp is so special is because of the people, 100% because of the people. The magical moments that families have within our stores are 100% driven by the people we hire. And so What's interesting is, yes, we're technically a retailer, but we actually hire very few people from traditional retail. Mm -hmm. We tend to hire performers or actors or aspiring actors and actresses, camp counselors, you know, caregivers or babysitters or people who just love working with children, musicians, artists, yoga instructors. Those are the (laughs) types of people from hospitality. This is the type of person that we hire. And what we hire for is you to be uniquely you. And that's something really special about camp is we hire you to do the things that you love. I think that ultimately is is a selling point along with all the other stuff we'll talk about today, but we hire you so you can be who you want to be and be yourself um, because that's what makes it magical for our families who walk through the door. So has that been challenging? Does it, I mean, it seems like you have a broad, unusual pool to draw from, but but based on what you said at the beginning of the episode, it does seem like that pool dried up. Yeah, I think given even given all of those unique things that we that we do and say and offer, it, it did sort of dry up for the variety of different reasons that we discussed. And so for us, it was time to 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 do a better job at explaining that, right? Mm-hmm. At explaining why camp is unique and why if maybe you don't want to work retail now that's okay, but you should want to work at camp. And we want to pay you amazing. We want to be transparent about that. And we want to show you clear paths for growth within our company. And so that's sort of like the work that we worked on in the last month with you guys, which I can talk about. But I think some of the tenants were there, but it was time to vocalize that and publicize that and be explicit so that people would come and want to join us. Right, right. It's about putting the compelling points out forward. And I remember when we started working with you, this idea of being the best retailer was a North Star for camp. And and I'm just curious, what does that even mean? What does it mean to be the best retailer? What does that involve? Yeah, so we did, that is sort of when we came back from holiday last year, that was a goal that the leadership team set forth. And I think it's still something that we aspire to be. In our work with you guys, we help to be more clear about what that really means. And so we defined our, I guess, you know, design principles. Um, What does it mean to be the perfect retailer? Mm. And so we sort of said it differently. We said, if our employee experience was perfect, it would. And to us, it would have the following. It would be diverse, equitable, and inclusive. It would give employees the tools they need to make the magic. It would help and expect that every team member do the best work of their lives. It would have a positive impact on the customer experience and loyalty. And finally, it would incorporate our core values, which have been there since day one, which are warmth, output, spirit, truth, and agility. So those were sort of the principles with which we designed um, this work. 
And so I remember very clearly that kickoff session where we sort of went from that North Star to getting at those principles. And I remember it being like pretty enlivening, like the team was was really into getting there. How did it feel to you at the time to sort of imagine what having the perfect ex- employee experience would really mean? Like, how did that go for you in, in a group? I think it was really cool because... Like I said, Ben and I wanted to create a unique culture and people practice from day one. And I think in 2018 and much of 2019, it was sort of easy to do that because we were there physically and we were in our stores and it kind of happened naturally with the magic we were creating. I think 2020 for many, obviously for us and for many, it threw, it threw a huge wrench. And I think some of that magic and some of that greatness was taken away. Mm. And I think bringing us back together in this session enlightened, like almost like enlightened my mojo again with this work, right? It, like it was a reminder <laughs> of, of why we were here from the beginning, right? Like I think all of these thoughts were, were inside us and maybe just like hadn't been surfaced in a while. We were so caught up in like the Zoom world and, and frankly surviving right. that we forgot about all those things that we were set out to do. So it was, it was like inspiring to bring it back out, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It, it felt it felt that way. And one thing that Alistair and I noticed really from day one was you all came into this, obviously, having come through a difficult time as any brick and mortar retailer in New York City during the pandemic would have had. But even so, right off the bat, your team seemed to really absorb new ideas and be really flexible in y'all's thinking and also really immediately understand why the kind of work that needed to be done was cross-functional and Mm -hmm. couldn't just be held by one position or one team or whatever. What new possibilities, if any, did you see the team discover as they sort of made those realizations? Yeah, I think this work was interesting because this is not something that just a people team could produce, right? Right. It, a people team, maybe I helped wrangle groups together, but it's a hundred percent, not just the response at all. One, you know, this department's responsibility, it impacts our experience team and our programming. It impacts our stores. So, you know, this is why you heard from Amanda and Kyle, it impacts obviously finance. So there was a big input from our CFO here. Ben shared, you know, his vision for this, of course. There was uh, Tiffany from a communications perspective. So there was so many levels and layers of people involved in this work that it really hits a lot of different pieces of the org. And I will tell you, even now that we've done this work and we've launched it internally, there's still, now it's like a marketing. The the work is done, but we have to get the word out there in a really Mm. big way. So. I think it's even more reason we actually now between when we work with you and, and today we hired a CMO, which nice. I'm really pumped about mm-hmm. because there's a whole big piece of this. That's it's, it's not about, you know, getting press, which I know we spoke about a bunch, which maybe press comes, maybe not. It's more about how do we spread the word to, to get that amazing talent to want to work at camp. Yeah. And so how do we share all this incredible stuff we put together out into the world? And I'm excited to see what that looks like. Yeah. And one thing that was really cool, I thought, about our conversations, particularly about brand and press and things like that, was like, it felt to me like you and your leadership team were very committed to, let's make this true and then telegraph it to the market, not 
let's tell the market and then try to cobble it together, which is not always the case. You know, we all have been in organizations where it's like, what should we say about our brand? And that has very little to do with what's culturally going on. So it was just cool that it felt like you all were really willing to like invest the time and make the moves and then make sure that the truth reached the people who needed to hear it. 100%. And I think that stems from truth being one of our core values and tenants since day one. So I'm glad you recognize that. So I hear you both referencing the work. And as someone that was not directly involved, and I'm right here with all of our many thousands of listeners wondering, what was the what work? Was like, what, what did you all cook up? What experiments are underway? You know, kind of paint a picture of, of what ended up getting done and decided. Sure. So basically what we have created was career pathing and advancement opportunities for our team along with transparent pay at each level. And as part of that sort of all the messaging and language and role expectations associated with each of those. So basically the way it works now, and by the time this is out, you'll probably see all of this information will be live on camp.com slash careers. Mm. But when you, when you come to camp, there are three levels and you can get hired at any one of the levels. And there's a few different roles at each level, but every person within that level gets paid the exact same amount. So there's no hidden bonuses. There's no tips. There's no, there's no like better negotiator gets more money. There's no pay state by state rates. How does that factor in? Yeah. So we have three different colors of states, the purple states, New York, New Jersey, and California. The yellow states are Massachusetts and Connecticut. And right now we have one green state. And so there's three different (laughs) bands, three different pay rates that account for basically the cost of living difference in each of those states. And the reason why they're colors is because when we add more camp locations, which we plan to many in 2022, we will say which color those states are and those rates will be the same as the other states in that color. And we made very clear expectations for each of these roles and what it means and what a good you know, sort of review looks like at this role and what it would take to move up to the next level. And yeah. So pretty, pretty cool, transparent work. So I guess my follow-up question is, you would think as an onlooker, an outsider, that every major scaled retailer would have clear levels and clear comp and it would be transparent and there would be this level of, of thoughtfulness going into it. What actually is different about this compared to the category as a whole? Yeah, I'm so glad you asked that. There, there are not retailers out there that are transparent about what they pay and that they pay uniformly across all. You try hard to Google what people pay. You try hard to Google different states. People don't display this and they don't display the career pathing opportunities and what you'll make at each different path along the way. I should also say that what we pay is really excellent. <laughs> the numbers are, are, are great. And that was also part of what we tried really hard to do in launching this. And it was a huge deal, obviously, to our financial model. But we expect really, really high level of work. The one-to-one interaction with a family, the level of engagement, the, like, the magical moment that you're creating, we know that that's well and above what you would be expected to do at any Great retailer. You know, if I'm just folding pay. jeans at the gap, I'm not I'm Exa- not putting in that exactly. kind of effort. You're not making magic, bro. 
<laughs> exactly. And so we had to and needed to be above those places so that it would be a no-brainer for folks to come work for us. And I will tell you, it feels so good. We launched this uh, about a week and a half ago, and we've been hiring against it. And it's it's been amazing. I mean, the response you get to our pay is incredible. And we're opening a store in Garden State Plaza, New Jersey. And you know how we're recruiting from for, for that store? What we're doing is we're going to the mall and we are going into stores and talking to associates and telling them what we do and telling them what we pay. And it's been an incredibly easy wow. selling point for a store that doesn't even exist. Um, so it's been really cool to see the fruits of the labor come to fruition in a store. Again, this is one of those things I talked about at the beginning. It's a new market. We never hired New Jersey before. We didn't know what it was going to be like. But being able to have this really simple, compelling story has been huge in hiring a team there super quick. That's so awesome. And while we are on the topic of hiring, some of the stuff that we did around hiring was, I thought, yes. especially fun and was, you know, we're, I feel like we had a lot of moments in talking about how to hire and changes to hiring and changes to how we write job descriptions where there was like, oh, I don't know. And then it was like, no, actually, let's try that. Like yeah. very quickly, which was really fun. So would you mind just sharing a little bit more about that with our listeners? I would love to. So there was two main things that came from our work that are now, I would say they were in testing mode, but I think the test is probably over and they're just going to continue because they're great. One of them was amazing, which is we removed the need for a resume and cover letter. So when you apply to a job within our store, there is no challenging application. We simply say the following. In lieu of a resume or cover letter, we're seeking to learn a bit more about why you're interested and suited for this role through three questions. No need to spend tons of time here just trying to learn a bit more about you. The next step would be an interview with our team. And the three questions pertain to the job itself. How would you make a child laugh or help them have fun? Tell us about a time you helped someone feel welcome or like they belonged. And can you share any special talents or skills that you possess that uniquely enable you to create a warm, welcoming, magical addition to the family experience we offer at camp? Mm. And so once we change this, our application flow increased. And even when we canvassed them all, it's so easy for these people to quickly answer the question. They don't need to do any prep work. You don't need to format a resume. You don't need right. to do any cover letter. You don't need to do any research. We just want you to be you. Um, you can also see, obviously, there's a nod to our design principles in these mm -hmm. questions, because again, it's important to us that we, we are creating sort of that equitable environment that we talked about in our design principles. And I think that's a nod to question two, which is, you know, helping someone feel welcomed or like they belong, but we're not trying to use big language. We're not trying to use confusing concepts. We're not trying to trip anyone up. You don't need to have any background or educational degree to specifically work at camp. Like we we want you for who you are. And so this has been an amazing test. Our team, I will tell you, was there was team members who were initially definitely shying away from this, like, what? No resume? We need a resume. How could we not have a resume? And so we sort of <laughs> went back and forth. But I, you know, you saw this from working with us. Our team is super agile and, totally. and open to trying things. And I think even though they were resistant, that was probably like 45 minutes of a conversation. And by the end of it, everyone was sort of safe to try. Oh yeah, um, <laughs> and so we threw it up there, and again, I think it's been a month. This, this so while it was an experiment, I guess I should probably confirm with them that we're going to continue, and it's no longer an experiment. But that's been going really well. The second thing we did was, you guys ha had taught us the concept of a role charter, which was very helpful to us, and and the concept 
at least as I understand it, obviously correct me if I'm wrong, but was sort of the way you write a job description, you should be able to watch the job being played out in a movie in front of you. And we actually rewrote all of our job descriptions as a result of the understanding of what a role charter was. So we, it just makes, they're all much more explicit and every word that is there means something to the candidate. There's no jargon. There's no like hidden industry lingo. There's no unnecessary bullets. It's all about what you're physically doing if you're in the job. And again, I think that just makes, it makes it, I think it holds us accountable as hiring managers and really like what the manager is actually looking for this person to do. And of course, it's more clear to the applicant. So that was never an experiment. That was more of just an improvement. And of course, we will continue to write our job descriptions this way because it is way better. Yay. I'm so (laughs) glad to hear that. And I think, you know, whether you're talking about the questions in the hiring process or talking about the job description, we started this episode by you saying the top of the funnel was really drying up for you as with all other retailers. And what I, but what I don't see most companies do that you did was, well, how do we make it easier to get people into the top of the funnel? What you see people do is like, oh, we're going to do a push or we're going to do incentive or we're going to go do cattle calls or whatever. And it's like, or, or, or you could just make (laughs) this an enjoyable experience for people that doesn't immediately turn them off because they don't want to write a different cover letter if they're applying to 15 jobs. So I just feel like you guys got to that, like, simplicity really quickly. And I'm really, really glad to hear that. It sounds like it's paying off for you. And to your point, Rodney, the, the idea that not only are we making it easier, but it sounds like you've made it more aligned with what the experience is going to be. And that is, is shifting the, the fear about what retail is and why I don't want to do it. Right. It's like, well, oh, if this is different, maybe the job is different. Right. And therefore, maybe I'm open to it. A hundred percent. Exactly. And so for because we get a lot of questions from listeners after these episodes about how to do things, <laughs> I'm just going to say two things really quickly if you want to do what Nikki and her team did. When we created those questions together, it was really interesting. It was in a meeting where we were talking about this concept. And then there was some some back and forth about like, well, what would the questions be that we asked? And then we were like, well, let's just open a Google document and start mm-hmm. drafting questions. And with a cross-functional group of people, they quickly came up with, I don't know, Nikki, like probably 20 or yeah. 30 possible questions. For sure. And so we did a really quick vote, like X's next to the questions that were the favorites, elevated those to the top. I think probably there was some wordsmithing afterward. But they got to something very clear and very cool inside of a of a meeting topic that was probably 15, 20 minutes. So like these don't have to be big, gnarly, take weeks and weeks and weeks projects. Like when you have the right people in the room, Nikki has a super creative team. You can just do it. Yes, for sure. Um, And the other thing is on the movie screen thing, that's something that I push for a lot. It, It obviously took hold at camp. And what we mean by that really specifically is to get away from words like align or ensure or (laughs) orchestrate or support and instead use words like coach or teach or write or go or (laughs) greet. Like specifically, I want to be able to read that thing and envision for myself what it would look like if I were doing that job. Because then hopefully, Nikki, you're not going to get a lot of people who don't want to do those things. And the people who apply pretty much know what they're in for in an ideal world. Exactly. 
If you love what you're hearing, a review would mean so much to us, or even better, forward this show to someone who needs it. So when we started working together, one of the things that I think you and I both were trying to do was look at the retail landscape for like people positive best practices and draw inspiration from case studies. And there Mm -hmm. were some, you know, we looked at Costco, we looked at Pratt, we looked at Patagonia, like we looked at some, but there wasn't tons and tons out there. And pretty quickly, I think we had the realization that if you wanted to do progressive things, we're going to have to like make a bunch of shit up to try because we weren't just going to you know, import somebody else's future of work idea. So talk a little bit about as really the steward of this whole thing, what changed for you and how did you get from trying to do the best thing to trying to do the simple thing and just any other kind of like mindset shifts that you felt like you had? Yeah, cool. So I think originally we were, we were starting to read all the press we could find, read headlines, think about our dream headline, like, okay, if we do this work, what do we want? What do we want to write in the press? And then let's sort of backwards do the work to get that headline. And then we quickly realized that that isn't the right way to think about it, but rather to think about the perfect employee experience. Like again, map back to our true roots of why we started camp and what makes us unique and think that way. And then later soon, and hopefully it will, we'll be able to get interesting press around this work, Mm -hmm. but not let that drive the work itself. So it's a focus on doing the right things for our people and for our culture versus being driven by a specific headline. It's funny you say that because I feel like that is, if there's a through line between all of our guests that have done different kinds of Brave New Work, it does ultimately at some point come down to just what's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. in the yeah. view of the people doing the work. And it's nice to get press and it's nice to fill the top of the funnel, but it's even better to just go to sleep at night knowing that you're building the business in a way that feels like it's in high integrity with your values, your principles, the way you see the world. For sure. So I'm I'm curious about the reactions to some of this change. You mentioned that the group is pretty nimble and pretty agile and has has adapted to what was presented. But mm-hmm. throughout the process of thinking about reinventing the retail employment experience, have there been moments where feelings popped up for you or for other team members where there was resistance? What did that look like? And how did the group ultimately get over it? What were the tricks to kind of put that stuff aside and figure out what's safe to try? Yeah. So I think there's definitely examples with resistance for sure. I mean, <laughs> what, there's a obviously there's like a big financial component to this. Yeah. I mean, yes, we're, we're going to go it broke. Adds, expensive. Yeah, it adds a huge expense to our you know to our people salaries, <laughs> right? And and being able to try to justify that while we're still a startup that also is you know in funding mode, mm-hmm. we have to be really mindful about that and like what's the case for that and so. What we believe, and and it, it you know it's just launched, so we're going to have to prove this to be true. But we do believe that paying people this well and having very clear expectations for work will ultimately lead to uh, higher performing employees, perhaps and likely fewer of them, and a better customer experience overall. And so the other piece of this that I don't even know if we spoke about Rodney in our work, but we launched this particularly 
the timing was really important. One, because we were opening up these new stores and we need to hire these new markets. But two is we also launched it in conjunction with a performance review cycle. And the reason why we wanted to do that was because everyone in their roles is about to get a very big pay increase. And we also want to be very clear about what the expectation is of your role now. Mm -hmm. Because in many cases, we probably weren't as clear about that. And so as part of this work, we've launched clear role expectation cards, and you'll be getting you know, along with your pay increase into the new band, you will also be getting a review as to how you're doing along these expectations and what we expect from you um, in the next 60 days. And so our hope is that if you're not meeting those expectations, we give you the tools and resources to do so. And that by the end of that, you are at that level and you are earning that salary and that we are excited to have you at that elevated rate. There may be instances where people don't make it and we'll do our best in the most warm and, you know, mm-hmm. camp way to give people fair chances and, and offer them as necessary. But I do think that really is an important piece too, that we are a performance culture and we do expect a very high standard. And so being clear about what that standard is, is a very big piece of this work as well. You know, I'm glad you brought that up and I'm glad you brought up the the financial risk and the sense that the jury's still out on that. Yes. Because I actually have next to me here on the Brave New Work bookshelf, an older book called Firms of Endearment. And they looked at organizations that did similar things and had practices around better quality of employment and pay and trust and all that. And and basically the punchline is like over the course of a decade, those firms just outperform financially across the board in a really cool way. So I, for one, have high confidence that this is gonna gonna work out and be another, you know, another case study of the Costco versus Sam's Club, in and out versus McDonald's paradigm. And I think it's interesting to start to play with that idea of the competency model and performance as a more collective act over time. So the idea that when the team members themselves start to actually be weighing in and defining and improving and and iterating on those expectations, that'll be a really exciting moment as well. Yeah, I love that. And I think particularly around the cost increase that was happening as a result of all of the compensation adjustments. Like you're, you're articulating something that most leaders of any kind of transformation go through, which is we're making a big bet right now and we don't know if it's going to pay off. (laughs) And like to Aaron's point, there's, there is case study material out there that it will, but I also totally understand as the person who's like pushing the button that you're just like, Hope this works. Like, yeah. I hope we get, you know, I hope we get what we're paying for because ultimately it is a business and we want it to be a very successful one. Exactly. So, Nikki, this is sort of a random question, but I have to ask it because you and your team only worked with us for a short period of time, like five or six weeks. Mm-hmm. It was yeah. a fairly late engagement and you guys got just a ton of stuff done and also really leaned into action meeting structure, leaned into using a notion board, leaned into using Slack. Like you guys were just down for whatever sort of from day one. And so Mm -hmm. for people who are curious about doing work like this, what do you think needs to be true? Or what did you need to do to make it go like that? Because like, I I sort of have the same tricks no matter what, 
you guys were like the the special ingredient that made this much impact this quickly really happen. Yeah. I think the main, I would say the word for us is agility and that's written into our core values. And it's something that we expect and embrace every day. I mean, literally the bullet in our core values says agility. You expect and embrace con- constant change. Mm. You, f- you reduce <laughs> complexity and find ways to simplify. So it's a little bit like this is how we have to operate at camp. And I think this, this, this sort of month work was like a snapshot, great example of that type of iteration. I think people are... I'll say it's another core value too, which is spirit. You say what you think, even if it's controversial, you're not afraid to fight for what you believe in. And that's another piece of why I think this works for us too, which is we're, we're open to trying anything. You might not agree with everyone in the room, but you'll listen to them. You'll throw down, you'll try something. And, you know, not everyone has to love everything you're presenting, but feel free to throw it out there and we can change it over time. So sounds like the dog is throwing down. Yeah, sorry, the dog. <laughs> this is this is the dog that my childhood me would not would not know what to do with. But That's but great. meet Maggie. But yeah, and I think it's like and I think this is also partly why the, the career pathing is so important at camp, but we have a culture of learning. People want to learn. People want to learn things and try new things and grow their sort of their own portfolios. And so I think a lot of what we learned from the ready was, was, you know, the productive way to have an action meeting or the check-ins, the closing rounds, the notion board, the, you know, the use of Slack and different things. I think a lot of that, I will tell you, honestly, my team has adopted a lot of that. We don't use notion, but we use Monday, but Mm -hmm. we rejiggered the way we use monday.com to be more in line with the way we were using notion with you, because we found that to be much more efficient, frankly. And I start my team meetings with a check-in round now. And I've been I've been sharing your random check-in generator to everyone <laughs> I know because I just love it. It's also been a really cool tool for our diversity, equity, and inclusion task force because those meetings are a lot about surfacing and sharing and built on trust. And as you guys know, that's, this is a whole different topic for another time, but the surfacing and trust and sharing is really hard over Zoom. And yeah. I think as we added the check-in round to those meetings, it's been so meaningful because you're just you just like let your guard down and you talk about something and then you're more opening to the content of that meeting. So yeah, I think that was particularly interesting and I took it into a whole different line of work again, which I won't talk about here, but it was cool to take this stuff and and bring it forward in other areas of what we do. Well, speaking of bringing things forward, I think a, f- a final question for today might be, what's next? What's what's the, the next step, the next big adventure for camp? Where do you see this work and this way of thinking extending into the future? Well, what's next is camp.com slash careers is about to be live. And we will check be able out. to check it out. We'll be able to share this work with the world. We are opening these stores. So we are hiring in LA, in Massachusetts, in New Jersey. And there are many more markets coming on the map next year on our continued quest to be the best retailer. I think <laughs> what 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 is interesting is that in this work to date, we have not yet discussed how this relates to our corporate team, which mm. we call the Camp Labs team. Mm. And so I think in 2022, there's a decent amount of work that can be done to be as sort of revolutionary or brave or new in that population of people, which is obviously crucial to our business, but something that we didn't yet address. So excited to think about what that looks like. And I have no idea what it will be, but excited to work on that. Well, 
Brave New Work and the future of camp seems like a pretty good place to draw things to a close. Nikki, where can our listeners find out more about you and about camp? You can check us out at camp.com and you can reach out to me at Nikki at camp.com. And again, our careers page that highlights all of our job openings as well as our transparent comp and Career laddering is on camp.com slash careers. And if you want to come to one of our stores, we have locations in New York, Connecticut, Dallas, New Jersey, LA, and Massachusetts. And we hope you'll join us. If you're not in one of those states, you can check us out virtually on camp.com. You got to go to one of the stores. You got to make the time, make the trip. That's what I think. Nikki, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. A quick tip of the hat, as always, to Taylor Marvin for making the three of us sound good today, dogs included. Uh, Brave New Work is produced by The Ready, where we help organizations around the world change the way they work and pay and recruit. Uh, get in touch with us by emailing podcast at theready.com. And as for you, thanks for listening. Now go change something. Thank you.